Now, Crime Stopper stepping in, offering a $5,000 reward for information leading to Felicia Johnson's return. Yesterday, her family. Most of us know Crime Stoppers Houston as a nonpartisan, nonprofit group that pays rewards for tips that help cops solve crimes. Last month, though, the group itself was on the front page of the New York Times. The headline read, Crime-fighting group takes turn to the right in Texas. Today, I'm talking with one of the reporters who wrote that story. Carrie Blakinger covers criminal justice issues for The Marshall Project. It's Wednesday, May 4th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. So, Carrie, tell me about Crime Stoppers. Why did you decide to start looking into what I always thought of as a bland organization with a tip line. Well, so for a couple of years, I gotten really kind of a variety of tips or sort of complaints or like requests to be like, hey, can you look into this about the idea that this nonpartisan, nonprofit tip line had begun taking increasingly political stances. And, you know, we saw this specifically around issues of bail and, you know, bail reform and locally elected judges. And, you know, the organization had really begun speaking out on these issues in a way that had some pretty clear political overtones. Nonprofit. Nonprofits are forbidden from speaking out on political issues, right? Well, they're they're forbidden from, um, you know, endorsing specific candidates. Obviously, they can take some amount of political position on things. But the question becomes... At what point are they crossing that line? Because there's also issues of indirect support for a candidate. And at what point political statements sort of cross the line into indirect participation in political campaigning, which is something that nonprofits are not allowed to do. If a decision you made may have cost another person their life, would you at least feel like you owe some sort of an explanation? If your answer is yes, you're obviously not a Harris County Criminal District Court judge. They apparently feel like they owe none of us an explanation. The 138 Harris County residents who died due to the courthouse revolving door. So you were noodling around on this tip. What happened then? You know, I started uh, looking into it. I started with some records requests at the county level. As I was poking around, I heard that Dave Farenthold from New York Times was also poking around. Pulitzer Prize winner. Yes. The guy who got the Billy Bush Trump tape in which they were engaging in. Yes. Let's call it locker room talk. That guy. <laughs> yes. Yes. That guy. Um, yeah. And he's such a nice guy. But I was also like, I am not going to compete with Dave Farenthold. That's just not a good use of my time, you know? (laughs) Like, I shouldn't be trying to one-up Dave or see if I can write a better story. Like, that's just silly. I reached out to him and I was like, hey, what's your angle? Are we doing the same angle here? Because I thought if we were doing separate angles, we would still both do this. Or if we're doing the same angle, like, either I'll just give you what I have and walk away or we can work together. And he was like, yeah, let's work together. Um, and he was, um, every bit the delight to work with that you hope someone is like, he was just fabulous. He makes delightful spreadsheets and he is <laughs> as obsessive as I am. Like I would go into these, you know, shared Google docs at 11 PM on a Saturday night and he'd be active working in them. So, um, very, very endearing trait for a reporting partner in my book. Okay. Let's back up now and just say, what is Crime Stoppers? What? did it set out to do when it got started in, was it 1980? Yeah, right around then. So Crime Stoppers is a nonprofit, nonpartisan tip line where, you know, the idea is you call in with 
tips that will help solve crimes and you can remain anonymous and you get money if your tip results in an arrest or conviction. That's been the bulk of what they are known for. They've always had some other programs like school safety programs and things like that. They've had those for, you know, I don't know, more than a decade. So when it got started... Where did its money come from? So for years, the money came from courts was a big source of the funding for the rewards money in particular. So why, why would a court give Crime Stoppers money? How does that work? One of the ways is that, you know, everybody is assessed a consolidated court cost on their cases and a percentage of that. So the defendant or who? The yeah, lawyer? No, the, the defendant, defendant. No, the defendant. Okay. You get convicted, you have yeah. to pay money. And that gets split up a whole bunch of different ways, but some of that, you know, can go to Crime Stoppers. Recent years, Crime Stoppers hasn't taken money from that particular pot of funding, but, you know, one of the sources of funding for their rewards had, you know, long been these $50 probation fees. So a probation fee. Somebody on probation would pay a $50 court fee that would go to Crime Stoppers? And, you know, they've long had other pots of money. One of the things, though, that changed in recent years was that they also started getting a significant amount of money from the state government, which was not something that we saw in their past financials. There was this sort of sea change in Crime Stoppers, I think, like around 10, 12 years ago, when suddenly the organization got this $10 million building, it got a new director, it started broadening its goals, right? Yeah. So they decided to build a $10 million headquarters. Um, and at the time said that, you know, their goal was to move past sort of solving crime to preventing it as well. And at the time that they opened the building, the capital campaign that they had had not covered at all. And in 2015, they borrowed $5 million. And then two years later, when the first payment on that loan came due, was the year that they also started getting a substantial chunk of change from the state. So this organization, which had been running in the black back when it had a simpler, smaller scope, was suddenly running in the red. And what kind of money did they start getting from the state? So in 2017, they got a $4 million grant from Abbott's office. From the governor's office. Which ended up being 70% of their total revenue for that year. After we published the story, um, they offered a response that I think kind of actually a little bit muddied the waters on the genesis of this money. During the legislative session, they told us that, you know, Senator Whitmire had suggested that they could go to the legislature for money. So they ended up getting Sarah Davis and Joan Huffman to both put amendments into the budget that would give them a $4 million grant administered through DPS. The Senate version did make it through. Um, but then Abbott line item vetoed it in June. And oh. afterwards, the CEO of Crime Stoppers wrote him an email, basically just, you know, begging for the money back. Like at the time, there was news coverage of the fact that, you know, this had been line item vetoed and that, you know, she'd asked for the money back. A few months later, they got it in the form of a grant out of Abbott's office. And the curious thing about it was that that was not announced at all. Like, I thought normally politicians love talking about helping stop crime in any way, being tough on crime, preventing crime. And this grant just went out into the world quietly with no press conference. Yeah, we asked Abbott's office, like, to be sure that we hadn't missed it. We were like, was there, was this ever announced? And they confirmed it was not. So one thing about this four million was that after our story came out, there had been some commentary that, oh, this was, it got bipartisan approval, which is true. I mean, it, it, it did until it was stripped out and was in fact, in the end, rewarded as 
you know, a grant out of Abbott's office. And the interesting thing about that is that it means that there's no accountability. Um, if it had come through a legislative appropriation, like there'd be some amount of accountability from the legislature. And, you know, if it had come from the same grants division from one of the pots of money that is federal funding, there would be some questions to answer from the feds. But this was administered out of a pot of money that is state money that is from state courts. It's actually a different set of money collected from that same consolidated courts fee that I mentioned previously. So as a result, there's, you know, effectively no oversight on this. And I mean, I'm not saying that means that they're doing something wrong with it, but just after the story published, you know, there were some there were some people that were like, oh, this was this got bipartisan approval. And, you know, what would it matter if it came out of Abbott's office? And I mean, that's that's part of the difference. There might be other reasons that, you know, it could be important that we haven't uncovered. But um, I, I do think it's you know disingenuous to act as if this shift in the source of funding has no impact because it potentially could. Yeah. And there was other state money heading over to Crime Stoppers as well. Yeah, there was. Yes. In 2018, after Santa Fe. After the Santa Fe school shooting. Yes. Abbott put out a school safety report. And one of his suggestions was that Crime Stoppers needed to expand their school safety program because they already ran one in Harris County. And the idea was that they could be running or helping to run similar things elsewhere. And pursuant to that recommendation in 2018, the organization subsequently got $2 million from the TEA. So that comes out to being, you know, $6 million over the course of a few years. And overall, it ended up being about 43% of their revenue from 2017 to 2020. Which is a serious chunk. Yeah, it's also like a significant uptick from less than 1% coming from the state in the years prior to that. And how was Crime Stoppers doing at helping to solve crimes during that period? I mean, the, the number of cases solved per year has gone down. In 2009, it was like 970. In 2021, it was 380. And it was sort of a steady slide down in that time. That's big. Yeah. Um, also, the rewards money paid went down significantly. Like some of that there could be reasons for, right? You know, decreasing overall crime rates, even if, you know, violent crime is going up. Also, in 2020, we would expect that, you know, the pandemic might have in- impacted this. But the thing is, the, the amount of rewards money paid also went down in 2021. And whatever's happening with crime rates, the county is still growing, so even with an increasing population, you know, there's still right. uh, we're still seeing fewer cases solved and less rewards money paid. And we did talk to some current and former employees and board members and got a few of them who said things to the effect of they've been forced to give out lower dollar amounts of rewards in response to cases solved because they're not getting the kind of money from the courts that, that they used to. But during this time... They're still making the payments on this expensive building, and aren't they paying their CEO more? Yes, the the CEO got around a hundred thousand dollar raise from um, between twenty eighteen and twenty twenty. I don't know that that's that's definitely resonated with some readers. I'll just I'll put it that way. So during this time, Crime Stoppers is also like doing things like they started a TV program, right, with Fox twenty six. Yeah, they have a show called Breaking Bond where they feature cases in which someone has committed another crime while out on bond. So that show implies 
that the judges are to blame for that. Here's the criteria for our research. The defendant turned alleged killer had to be free on multiple felony bonds or a felony personal recognizance bond. The district court judge with the most defendants he freed on bond, who later picked up a murder charge, is 182nd Judge Danny Lacayo with 10. They include a lot of the messaging is to focus on the judge's role in the release of people who go on to commit other crimes. But the reality is that it's sort of a lot more complicated than that, as it often is when we're talking about criminal justice issues. One of the things that is actually the sort of biggest predictor of whether people go on to commit more crimes on bond is how long they're out on bond. Like the longer somebody is out on bond pre-trial, the more likely they are to go on and commit other crimes. And they're just more time to do it. Right. And the amount of time that people are out on bond has more than doubled in recent years. And this is a result of, you know, slowdowns from Harvey and the pandemic. Because the courts got backed up. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and to some extent, you know, I think that the, the DA's office has, um, you know, ha has been struggling to, to keep up with this. So as a result, people are out on bond longer. And um, at the same time, the percentage of people who are getting a really high bond has actually increased. Like bonds are actually higher than they used to be. So the idea that the that the judges are the ones responsible for you know so many people being out on bond um, is, I mean, it, it's it's certainly more nuanced than that because bonds are going up and there's actually a huge backlog in the courts. And the other thing is that that crime has gone up in a lot of places and, you know, it's not, a, there hasn't been bail reform in many places. Um, and there hasn't necessarily been a sweep of progressive judges to blame it on. So Crime Stoppers is getting a lot of money from a Republican governor and other sources that might have some definite political preference. And then Crime Stoppers just makes these announcements that are totally in line with their funders' preferences would seem to be going right up to the line of making a political endorsement, correct? That, you know, the message here is these Democrat judges are not good and should not be reelected. I mean, I'm I'm not an expert in where that line is, but, right, right. but you know, we did talk to mm -hmm. legal experts who we had reviewed some of the Breaking Bond videos and Philip Hackney, who's a law professor at University of Pittsburgh, told us that the question would be whether a viewer would walk away with the perception that the organization is, quote, encouraging the viewer to vote for or against a particular candidate. It would give me some heartburn, was how he phrased it. So what did Crime Stoppers say? So the Crime Stoppers um, CEO did not want to sit down with us for an interview, but they did respond to many of our questions, some only on background. And then ultimately their lawyer sent us a statement that they um, asked us to include which began by saying this story is a work of fiction. You know, they called it a hit piece for purely partisan purposes. They responded to some some of the specifics. They sort of reiterated some of their numbers, saying that they had identified 170 people who'd been killed since 2018 because someone out on bond had killed them. We included some of their comment, but, you know, one of the things that I alluded to that was kind of interesting after the story came out was they put out an additional comment saying that, you know, that $4 million had been approved. The governor's office. Well, they said it had gotten bipartisan approval, which is technically true, but 
you know, not really the whole picture because that's not how the money was actually awarded. It actually, in the end, came out of the governor's office. So, right. you know, I thought that was interesting that that was what they focused on in their statement after the story came out. That was Carrie Blakinger of The Marshall Project. Carrie's memoir, Corrections in Ink, will be published in June. We'll have more information about that in our show notes. And I am with Farrell Gibbs, our producer. Farrell, what is going on today in Houston? Thank you, Lisa. Well, Brittany Griner, the WNBA superstar from Houston, is still detained in Russia and has been for the past 76 days now. But there's been a shift in how her case will be worked. Now it's been taken up by the Office of the Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs. This agency negotiates the release of Americans that it considers to be wrongfully detained by other nations. Last week, Trevor Reed, a U.S. Marine veteran, was freed from Russia in a prisoner swap in exchange for a Russian imprisoned in the United States who had been convicted of drug trafficking. President Biden has been under pressure by members of Congress and others in the government to expedite efforts to get Griner released. In the meantime, for the season opener this Friday night, across the WNBA, all 12 teams are going to have Griner's initials, BG, as well as her number, number 42, displayed on their home courts. That is it for our show today. Please, y'all, if you like the podcast... Tell your friends. Get them to listen to it. We're trying to find our people. We will be back tomorrow. Talk with you then. Farrell, it's May the 4th. It's Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. One thing remains. We, we have not done anything to recognize that. You must confront Vader. Then, only then. A Jedi will you be? I think, I think, no, I think we can skip that, but I just have to let you know.